Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news, broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Friday, August 11th, and we start with local news. As the upcoming school year is set to begin, local police departments are urging motorists to be aware of both the presence of school buses again, as well as the law on yielding to them. Tennessee Code Annotated 55-8-151 states in part, The driver of a vehicle upon a highway shall stop the vehicle before reaching the school bus. The driver shall not proceed until the school bus resumes motion or is signaled by the school bus driver to proceed or the visual signals are no longer actuated. Depending on if you are traveling on a two-lane road, multi-lane highway will determine if you need to stop or not. On a two-lane road or a four-lane highway with a center turn lane, everyone stops. If the four-lane has a divider, such as a median or an unpaved area at least five feet wide, traffic in the opposite direction can proceed cautiously. Only traffic behind the bus must stop. Last year, Spring Hill had five incidents that either directly or indirectly involved a school bus, according to a press release. Mount Pleasant police said there were no incidents involving school buses last year. We are very fortunate not to have had any accidents involving school buses last year, Assistant Chief Jack Burgett said. That's a credit to our local motorists for paying attention, and hopefully we won't have any incidents this year again, he said. According to Murray County Public Schools Communications Director Jack Cobb, there were 13 total incidents involving Murray County school buses last school year, and luckily no injuries were reported. The King's Daughters School for Autism took its latest step in helping one student at a time, or in this case, eight, with its newest residential home. The house will provide housing for eight of the King's Daughters male students between the ages of 22 and 26. The house, located in one of Columbia's many historic homes, located at 405 West 9th Street, was commemorated by the Murray County Chamber of Commerce, who were joined by city, county, and state leaders on Tuesday as part of a ribbon-cutting ceremony. For over 60 years, we have been serving children with intellectual disabilities, kids with autism in Murray County, and this is just another example of how much the community loves our mission and our students, King's Daughters Executive Director Shauna Pounder said. We could not have provided a home for these children if the community did not support us and how involved they've been with us over the years, she said. Residential Director Landon White says the center will also open up new opportunities for additional housing for female students. Another one of our homes is now going to grow, and we'll have a few female spots open up, White said. Our guys that live at that property are going to move over here, hopefully by next Monday, and it will give them an opportunity to have more independence, he said. Tuesday's dedication featured words by many city, county, and state officials, including Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder, who remarked on the King's Daughters' continued efforts to provide a place for children with special needs, which stretches more than 60 years. Part of the longevity and success, Mulder said, is the continued support of the community. The people that are here today is a testament to the importance that the King's Daughter School has here in the city of Columbia, Mulder said. When I think about the things that make Columbia special, the things that set us apart, there are several things that come to mind for me, and one of those things happens to be the King's Daughter School. There are so many things that are unique about this school and such a special cause and calling that it has that we want to always promote. He said. 
Spring Hill Mayor Jim Hageman added that he was brand new to the King's Daughters School, but sees it as a worthy and noble nonprofit to promote and support as Columbia's neighbor to the north. What I have found out in being a good neighbor and sharing my mayoral brotherly love with Chaz and the rest of the staff here is that I'm a person who will absolutely represent people who feel underrepresented, Hageman said. That's what the mission of this place is, and I'm happy to be here to support it, he said. Murray County Commission Chair Eric Prevetti described Tuesday's dedication as a true homecoming for him, not only because of what the home will provide the students, but also because he was once a King's Daughters employee. I worked here for eight years and crawled around all of the ceilings, did the wiring and the computer work network, Prevetti said. It's an honor to be here, and this is like a reunion getting to see my old co-workers. The finest people in this county work at this facility, and if you ever get the chance to meet them, you learn patience, love, and It's great to see this growth, and being the president of the Historical Society, seeing this old house being preserved, we know it will last another 100 years, he said. For more information on the King's Daughter School, its services, and residential programs, visit www.tkds.org. The African American Heritage Society of Murray County is excited to have been one of just six organizations statewide selected to host the Smithsonian exhibit, Voices and Votes, Democracy in America. The exhibit is part of the Main Museum on Main Street program, a collaboration between the Smithsonian Institution and Humanities Tennessee. Voices and Votes is based on a major exhibition currently on display at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History called American Democracy, A Great Leap of Faith. This traveling exhibit presents a visual and interactive history of democracy. Across generations, visitors will see diverse and inspiring Americans who face challenges and were determined to have their voices heard. Our democracy demands action, reaction, vision, and revision. Everyone in every community is part of the ever-evolving story. While the Smithsonian exhibit will focus on the national voices of democracy in America, a companion exhibit, Voices of Murray County, developed by the Society, will focus on some of the citizens who fought for democracy right here in Murray County, said Joanne McClellan, the Society's president. Since the African American Heritage Society does not yet have a museum space, we are very excited to host this exhibit at the Murray County Public Library, said McClellan. The exhibit will open August 19th and close on October 1st. This will be free and open to the public. Founded in 2012, the African American Heritage Society of Murray County is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. It is a membership-based organization and is open to anyone interested in furthering the objectives of the society. The society has worked to add to the African American narrative to the rich history of Murray County. The projects included adding the names of over 80 African Americans who lost their lives during the American Civil War to the Murray County War Memorial and the placement of five Tennessee Historical Commission markers commemorating significant sites, events, and people, including the Murray County Colored Hospital, which operated for more than 30 years. Since 2013, the African American Heritage Society of Murray County has sponsored a quarterly lecture series where subject matter experts and professors of history at Fisk, Middle Tennessee State University, Tennessee State University, and Vanderbilt University discussed, discussed specific topics determined by the Board of Directors. To date, the Society has published eight history calendars that feature the people and places significant to Murray County's African American history. The Society has collaborated with MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation, MTSU's Albert Gore Library, and the Tennessee State Museum on historic preservation projects. You can learn more about the African American Heritage Society of Murray County by visiting www.aahs.org. 
societymctn.org. Columbia State Community College recently honored 20 radiologic technology graduates in a pinning ceremony in the Cherry Theater on the Columbia campus. The class of 2023 has a bright future ahead of them, said Rose Hobby, program director and associate professor of radiology technology. Our amazing clinical partners helped provide the graduates with hands-on training, allowing them to gain critical thinking skills necessary to be competent and efficient members of the healthcare team. Our graduates are ready to serve the patients of Middle Tennessee. Many accepted positions prior to graduation. Our program faculty are happy to call each of these graduates an alum of Columbia State as they will represent our college well, she said. Program graduates must take and pass the American Registry of Radiologic Technologists board licensure exam in order to secure employment. Currently, the five-year average first attempt pass rate for Columbia State is 90%, which is above the five-year national average pass rate of 87%. A strong job market, exciting careers, and endless opportunities await these new radiologic technology graduates, said Dr. Kay Fleming, Dean of the Health Sciences Division and Professor of Radiologic Technology. Each of these future radiographers will make an immediate impact on patient care and outcomes, she said. Columbia State's Radiologic Technology Program is a rigorous 22-month program in which students learn imaging science in order to become a radiographer and work in a variety of settings, including hospitals, doctor's offices, and other healthcare facilities. Upon completion of the program, graduates are qualified to produce images of patients' internal structures for use in diagnosing medical problems. Columbia State's Radiologic Technology Program is accredited by the Joint Review Committee on Radiologic Technology. For more information about applying to this competitive admission program, please visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash radtech. Two weeks before the long-awaited special called legislative session on public safety, Representative Scott Sapicki has spoken out about the need for increased mental health services in the state, citing a lack of facilities and beds available. The Tennessee General Assembly is scheduled to meet beginning Monday, August 21st for a special session focused on strengthening public safety and preserving constitutional rights. The session was called by Governor Bill Lee following the Covenant school shooting in March. Though legislation is not required to be filed until 48 hours before session, Lee has expressed to members that he intends to submit an order of protection bill, which would allow a judge to revoke gun rights from an individual deemed dangerous to themselves or others. Representative Sipiki, who has proposed building more inpatient mental health facilities, said he is focusing on what can be done with regards to mental health. I think the problem, problem we have right now when we look at mental health We have over 1.3 million Tennesseans accessing mental health, and we have less than 1,000 beds statewide, he said. There's your problem. We don't have the ability to get people the help they need and long-term inpatient health, he said. Representative Sapicki also cited the rising homeless population in downtown Nashville, stating there are currently over 300 people living under bridges. I asked the mental health people if these people would voluntarily commit themselves to an inpatient facility and get the help they need to turn their lives around. How many of these 300 could turn their lives around? They said 270. If we had a facility for them to get checked into and get the help they need, they could go back to living a normal life, he said. Sapicki also noted the importance of receiving the Covenant Shooters Manifesto in order to better understand the shooter's mental state. Lawmakers have been pushing for the release of the shooter's writings, while families of the victims have fought to keep them private. 
We've got to have that manifesto and toxicology report, he said. I need to have law enforcement, psychologists, and doctors tell me the mental, physical, and medical state of this individual so when we're passing laws, I know what I'm trying to stop, he said. Nobody aside from the Metro Police, TBI, and FBI have seen the toxicology report, Sapicki added. Everyone is being very tight-lipped about it. This is the first time something like this has ever happened with a shooting like this that the information and manifesto have not been released to the public. That's troubling because as legislators, we use that information to figure out what went wrong and how we fix it. I'm walking in the legislature blindly, he said. The Metro Nashville Police Department is currently in possession of the manifesto. In a statement released back in May, Metro Police said the writings will not be released due to pending litigation. Due to pending litigation filed this week, the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department has been advised to counsel to by counsel to hold in abeyance the release of records related to the shooting at the Covenant School pending orders or direction of the court. The statement read, I think there are some things we can do in regards to mental health, but we will be very sensitive to the Constitution moving forward and making sure we don't infringe on people's rights, Sapicki said, stating he remains focused on protecting the Second Amendment. The City of Columbia took a step towards enhancing its road infrastructure by submitting a grant application for the 2023 Statewide Partnership Program. The application seeks funding to undertake the project of widening 7.2 miles of Bear Creek Pike, stretching from Nashville Highway to Interstate 65. If successful, this initiative would mark one of the most substantial investments in road infrastructure that the city has witnessed in a generation. The project holds immense significance for the City of Columbia and its residents as it aligns with a long-standing priority and vision for enhanced road connectivity and accessibility. Bear Creek Pike's expansion to a four-lane highway from Florence, Alabama to Columbia, Tennessee, subsequently connecting to Interstate 65, underscores the original importance. City engineer Glenn Harper commented, This segment of Bear Creek Pike provides a regional connection to Interstate 65 and is a priority for the City of Columbia due to the impacts that increasing traffic will create regarding safety, congestion, and economic opportunities. The widening would bring notable efficiencies to the daily commute for countless residents who utilize this route. Columbia Mayor Chas Mulder stated, I am pleased the City of Columbia and our City Council have agreed to the most significant partnership investment in city history. $10 million over 10 years to show Columbia's commitment to the project, he said. The timing of this proposal dovetails perfectly with ongoing infrastructure projects. Currently underway is a $29 million enhancement project for the interstate interchange at I-65 Bear Creek Pike. Furthermore, City Manager Tony Massey noted, The city has committed $4.5 million for enhancements for the Bear Creek Pike intersection and Nashville Highway intersection. By integrating these planned improvements into the broader Bear Creek Pike widening project, two major quarter improvements will be achieved, he said. Mayor Mulder went on to say, I am hopeful, if not confident, that the support of our state legislative delegation and our community as a whole, that TDOT will fund this application to widen Bear Creek Pike, which will have a generational impact on that corridor and our road infrastructure as a whole, he said. The City of Columbia eagerly anticipates the response to its grant application and remains committed to propelling the city's progress through strategic investments in its roadwork. With the support of both local and state stakeholders, this endeavor could reshape the future of transportation in the region. 
Join Murray Alliance for a legislative lunch featuring Congressman Andy Ogles for a stimulating discussion around the current issues facing our business community and nation. This exclusive event offers the opportunity for you to engage with one of our federal representatives and gain valuable insights into current legislative matters. You can submit questions in advance by emailing them to nperry, that's N-P-E-R-R-Y, at murrayalliance.com. The event will take place on August 15th from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Puckett's in downtown Columbia, located at 15 Public Square. The cost is $25 for Murray Alliance members and $30 for non-members. Murray County Fire Department is accepting applications for their fall recruit class. The department provides fire and rescue services to 618 square miles in Murray County, Tennessee. In addition, the team offers public fire education, CPR certification classes, and smoke detector installations to the cities to the citizens of Murray County. No previous experience is required to join the annual recruit class. Murray County Fire Department training program helps you obtain the skills, certifications, and state-level requirements to become a support member or firefighter. Visit www.murraycountyfiretn.org forward slash recruits and fill out an application today. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. James Warren Thomas. 89, a retired employee of the Department of Justice and a resident of Columbia, died Sunday, August 6th at NHC Murray Regional Transitional Care. Funeral services will be conducted on Friday at 11 a.m. at Southgate Church of Christ. A private family burial will follow in Morrow Cemetery. Mrs. Betty Ruth Adams Bigsby, 85, a retired waitress for Western Sisland and a resident of Columbia, died Friday, August 4th at Murray Regional Medical Center. A graveside service for Mrs. Bigsby will be conducted on Saturday, August 12th at 11 a.m. at Rose Hill Cemetery. Mr. George Gilbert Brazelton, 91, a retired district manager for Life Insurance Company of Georgia, died Monday, August 7th at his residence in Columbia. Funeral services for Mr. Brazelton will be conducted on Saturday, August 12th at 12 p.m. at Graymere Church of Christ. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Saturday from 10 a.m. until service time at the church. Dwight Stephen Stoffel, 74, a resident of Paris, Tennessee, died Sunday, August 6th. Funeral services for Mr. Stoffel will be conducted on Sunday, August 13th at 3 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Friendship Baptist Church Cemetery in Kalioka. The family will visit with friends from 12 noon until service time at the funeral home. Mr. Robert Wallace Bob Ballard, 64, a retired employee of Simcom and a resident of Columbia, died Thursday, August 10th at Murray Regional Medical Center. A memorial service for Mr. Ballard will be conducted on Sunday at 7 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. The family will visit with friends on Sunday from 5 p.m. until service time at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help, gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell 
There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have partly cloudy skies today with a stray shower or a thunderstorm possible. The high will be 89 degrees with light and variable winds. Tonight, we can expect clear to partly cloudy skies with a low of 73. For your weekend forecast, we'll see scattered thunderstorms early on Saturday with pop-up showers possible throughout the weekend. Temps will be in the high 80s on Saturdays, the low 90s on Sunday. Overnight lows will be in the low 70s. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance... Our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see shelter agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard, the same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg, we do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. This is Bob Kessling with Pat Ryan. It's a beautiful day for digging. The backhoe operator has the engine running and is moving into position. He's heading for the ground. He's in there. Wait, there's a flag on the play. Let's get out of the field for the call from our official. Illegal procedure on the digging team. 
Oh, that penalty could cause a costly accident. That's right, Bob. He needs to call before he digs. There's underground utility lines that could be hiding just below the surface. Water, sewer, electrical, communication lines, and even natural gas. Avoid a penalty by first calling 811 to have any underground public utility lines located and marked with flags or paint. It's free, it's easy, and it's the law. For more tips, visit pipesafety.org. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters and the Tennessee Gas Association, funded in part by a grant from the Underground Utility Damage Enforcement Board. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Franklin-based Nissan North America is prepared to bolster its investment in battery-powered technologies in Tennessee and throughout the southeastern United States. This decision comes amidst substantial profit growth and intensified global competition for electric vehicles with artificial intelligence software. In an interview, Senior Vice President of Nissan Motor Company and Chairperson of Nissan Americas, Jeremy Pappin, said that the company intends to significantly ramp up production to expedite the launch of new electrified models at all price points. Nissan's U.S. market surged 33.1% in the first quarter over after strong growth last year, and the company posted an overall 98% year-over-year spike in operating profits. Meanwhile, the company's position in China is threatened by severe competition in new vehicle technology there and a 24.3% revenue cut in 2022 that grew to 37% in the first quarter, according to company officials. The growth in the USA at the moment is something that benefits significantly the global business of Nissan, Pappen said. So the importance of a U.S. business, its positioning within the company, has never been as strong as it is today, he said. China and the U.S. have always been very strong footholds for the company. As one gets weaker, the other gets a lot more attention to be stronger. Technology research and development is the backbone of Nissan. We have over 1,000 engineers in Farmington Hills right now and 1,000 more in Japan. In July, Nissan announced its vehicles will be compatible with Tesla chargers. Nissan moved its U.S. headquarters from Los Angeles area to Williamson County 17 years ago. Pappin said the company's relationship with Tennessee remains strong because of consistent policies in contrast to California, where the Air Resources Board has imposed increasingly strict regulations on carmakers. A coalition of civil rights and civic organizations has filed a federal lawsuit alleging Tennessee's 2022 redistricting plan violates the 14th and 15th Amendments of the U.S. Constitution and the rights of black voters. Filed in U.S. District Court for the Middle Tennessee District on Wednesday, the suit names Governor Bill Lee, Secretary of State Trey Hargett, State Election Coordinator Mark Goins, and members of the State Election Commission, and specifically focuses on the redrawing of the former 5th Congressional District and State Senate District 31. The suit charges the Tennessee legislature during the redistricting process following the completion of the 2020 U.S. Census subordinated traditional redistricting principles in order to minimize black votes by cracking and packing methods of gerrymandering, limiting voter input and participation, and speeding the development and passage of the redistricting plan. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Have you ever wanted to teach your child about the complex and unique qualities that Duck River provides this community, but didn't know where to start? Columbia Power and Water Systems is partnering with Amusem Children's Museum, located at 123 West 7th Street, to unveil its new exhibit this weekend that focuses on that very subject. The Children's Museum will host a reveal starting at 4 p.m. today on Friday, which is open to museum members. The exhibit will officially open starting at 10 a.m. Saturday and will feature not only educational facts about the Duck River, but also the city's power systems and how they work and use the river's waters to operate. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back on Monday to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great weekend.